Life is hard. Life with chronic, critical, and complex health concerns is even harder. We all know someone who is struggling with health issues or disability. It might even be you. And in the pain and suffering, we wonder if it's possible to move from surviving to thriving. We struggle to hope, struggle to persevere, struggle to trust that God knows what he's doing. But in the struggle, there is real hope, and it's possible to be rooted and ready to weather the storm. Welcome to the Bluestem Project Podcast. We're so glad you're here. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about preparing for death and thinking specifically about preparing for the death of someone close to you. I think it goes without saying that preparing for death is one of the hardest things you're ever going to do. Uh, And for almost all of us, we're probably going to do this multiple times during our life. And at the heart of why preparing for death is so hard is this reality that death and brokenness and loss and severed relationships, these things were not a part of God's good design for humanity and the world. But because of sin and its effects, we have to deal with death. So in this episode, I'm going to talk specifically about preparing your own heart for the death of a loved one. And in episodes to come, we'll get a little more specific about preparing the people around you for the death of a loved one. Recently, uh, my wife and I walked through a couple months of real possibility that our special needs son, Beckett, who will be seven soon, uh, that he might pass away. He lives with serious health issues and disability, uh, and it looked like all of his problems were coming to a, to a head, honestly. And we spent some time seriously preparing for his passing. And so what I'm going to give you in the next few minutes are some of the things that we found helpful. Now, after his health decline, Beck made a pretty unexpected recovery and, and is actually doing pretty well right now, uh, which uh, obviously I'm, I'm thrilled about. And we're not living at this moment, you know, concerned that his passing is imminent. But it also means, given his prognosis, that my wife and I will spend time preparing for his death again in the future. So what I'm going to say to you here, uh, I'm going to want to revisit myself uh, in the future when that time comes. And I want to start with this, okay? I want to start with preparing your own heart. Preparing your own heart for the death of a loved one. When you think of your heart, think of the entirety of your being or the seat of your being, where your, your soul and your intellect and your emotions, your body, uh, the center of you connect. And I want to point this out. The heart is not totally separate from the mind. We, I think we're often told that, like this separation of heart and mind. I would say through your mind, you get, and when things really get pounded into you, they, they go through your mind deep into the center of you, your heart, but they're not totally separate. And we're intellectual beings, and God has spoken to us through his word. And so there's this uh, aspect where our minds and our hearts are together and not separate. Proverbs 4.23 says, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And I've heard that it, it said, this has been very helpful to me, that heart work is hard work. So as you're preparing for the death of a loved one, remember, like, we are called or told to keep our heart with all vigilance, for from it flow, sorry, the springs of life. And that preparing your heart isn't just easy. It's, n- it's not simple. And perhaps what I'll give you today may sound simple on paper, uh, but ultimately it's going to require some hard work. So let me start with this. Preparing your heart, uh, the first point I want to make 
is that you should pour out your heart using Scripture to help you pray. So, right, God in His wisdom, He moved men to write Scripture across the spectrum of human experience. So we have, on the one side, God's very words, but they're given through and out of and speaking to all the experiences that we have as people. And so this certainly applies to suffering and hardship and death. And I want to give you a number. I'm going to go through a decent list here of scriptures that I have found helpful that help lead me in praying. And I, my hope is that they will be helpful to you, but also know that there are many, many more than what I'm going to give you here. So here, here are some examples. Take Psalm 4, verse 1, where it says this, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So the psalmist is even remembering that God has given him relief in the past when he was in distress. And he says, uh, answer me, be gracious to me, hear my prayer. Here's Psalm 6, 1-4, to where it says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. There's a lot in there that is very helpful uh, and resonates with us at certain times. And then let let me skip verse 5 just quick, but read 6 and 7, where it says this, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. There are times in the human experience where that is our reality. And I think it's encouraging and helpful to see Scripture writers expressing the same things and leading us in how to do it. So how about when God seems distant? Here's Psalm 10, verse 1, where it says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? So that's that's his experience in the moment where it seems like God is far away. It seems like he has hidden himself. But check out what he says at the end of the psalm. This is the second to last verse, verse 17. He says, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. So he starts with how he's really doing, and it seems like to him that God is distant. And at the end, he comes full circle and says, But Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You'll strengthen You'll incline your ear. All right, let me give you another psalm. This is Psalm 13. I'm going to read all of it. It's it's short. It's uh, six verses. But it says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. All right, I want to give you a few from the New Testament and the epistles that I have found especially helpful. Here's... Ephesians 1, 16 to 19, where it says, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. I've, I've often prayed for myself and others, Lord, would you give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What a, what a glorious prayer for a person in suffering and trial and hardship. Lord, open their eyes to see the hope that they have in you. Later in Ephesians, there's another great prayer, actually, in chapter 3. I'll read this. This is uh, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Praying that you'd be strengthened with power through his spirit, in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I have prayed that often. Here's another very helpful prayer. This is from Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God asking that our love would abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. Uh, that will certainly help if God grants that to you through the prayers, through your prayers, or the prayers of others in your journey. Let me read uh, one more from the epistles. This is Colossians 1, 9 to 12. It says this, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. For all endurance and patience with joy, that you would be strengthened by God's power. Uh, my son was actually, this next one, this was the, the Bible verse of the week he was memorizing for his Christian school, and I think it is, at the very least, it's convicting to many of us when we're going through hardship because we don't live here. But I think it's a great idea to recognize what's convicting us and showing us sometimes how far we are off and saying, Lord, help me, and help me to be in obedience uh, where you command me to be. So this is James 1, 2 to 4, where it says, "'Count it all joy, my brothers,' when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
another very helpful verses the last one I'll, I'll give you in this section uh, has just been to read through Job chapter one. Yeah, if you're not familiar with it, Job loses basically everything. But at the end, he says this: "The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." And so, especially when we're tempted to be upset with God or to blame God, uh, looking at Job's example and saying, Lord, would you help me to have the mindset and the heart that Job expressed? We recognize you're totally in control. You gave, you take away, but blessed is your name in the middle of it. So that's the first point, is pouring out your heart using Scripture to help you pray. And my second point is this, pouring out your heart by praising Him even when it is hard. And again, the scriptures are going to help move our hearts in the right direction when we're not inclined to do so. And I want you to think about this for a second. You may be going through or facing the death of a loved one. I've been facing the death of our son Beckett on and off for the better part of seven years. And in the midst of those seven years, God's greatness never changed once. God never changed once. And God deserves to be given glory. And and think about this. We were made to worship or to to find an awe or a beauty or a satisfaction and a salvation in someone. So we're worshiping creatures. Well, the only right source for our ultimate worship is God. And so even in hard times, not only does he deserve our praise and he isn't diminished by what is going on with us, but because we're made to worship we need to find what we, what we need in worship in God alone. And so it might sound a little counterintuitive to say, yeah, we need to praise him when it's hard, but we absolutely do. Take uh, in Psalm 42, for example, where the psalmist has enemies who are taunting and oppressing him. It seems to him like God has forgotten him. And he, he says this in verse 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. So when his soul is down, he remembers God. He reminds himself that he's going to praise God again, that God is his salvation, even in the midst of enemies taunting and oppressing and feeling forgotten. Here's in in Psalm 71 another good example where the psalmist is asking for deliverance from the hand of the wicked and from unjust and cruel men. Uh, He decides he's going to praise God in the midst of the conflict. So here's verses 10 to 14, give a good outline of what he's facing, but also how he responds. It says this, For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. I will hope continually, I'm repeating this, and I will praise you yet more and more, even in that circumstance. And a little farther down in Psalm 71, he even recognizes that God himself has sovereignly brought this trouble and hardship into his life. 
And he still responds with praise. So let me read 20 to 23, where it says, You have made me see many troubles and calamities. Or sorry, you who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O holy one of Israel. Now, personally, I'm not a uh, musically gifted or inclined uh, human being, and that the fact is I don't uh, play music for fun, uh, but I certainly enjoy listening to it and letting it minister to my soul. So I'm probably not going to be using a harp or a lyre, but the, the, the point here where he says, I will praise you for your faithfulness. I will sing praises to you. That, whether you're musically inclined or not, is inspiring and helpful and is commanded in the scriptures. Let me, let me wrap up uh, this section with Psalm 34, verse 1, where it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So, so far we've said, Uh, To prepare our heart for the death of a loved one, we should pour out our heart using Scripture to help us pray. That was the first one. The second one was pour out your heart by praising Him when it is hard. The third one is pour out your heart using hymns and music. I found a hymn in the last few months that ministered to me more deeply and more specifically than any other piece of music at any other time in my life. And honestly, there was a degree where, as, as our son was declining, that I, had, I, I just didn't know why this was happening this way or at this time. It had seemed to me that I had very uh, fruitful ministry opportunities in front of me that ended up being canceled pretty much in, in total because of Beckett's decline, but also because we actually lost for a period of time the nursing care that we need to be able to care for our son. And so uh, we were overwhelmed and burdened by the weight of what it is, what is required actually to care for him. When my wife actually found out that we were losing our, our nursing care, I think she said she cried pretty much all day because it was that devastating. And so I'm sitting there trying to minister, and yet I'm being saddled with great and heavy burdens in the care of my son that required me to push aside for really about three months all of my normal work or ministry activities. And I was a little dumbfounded by this. But I came across the hymn, God Moves in Mysterious Way, by William Cowper, who uh, dealt with serious depression. You might even say he had mental illness, is maybe how we would talk about it now, but he was very up and down. And yet uh, God used him to write a number of very moving and powerful hymns. And I want to I read this pretty much in its entirety. And I want you to think about what it's saying and how it might have ministered to me in my circumstance, but how it might minister to you uh, in the trials that you're facing as well. It says this, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. 
deep in unsearchable mines of never ending or sorry never failing skill he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will and ye fearful saints fresh courage take the clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings yeah in blessings and in blessings on your head on your head i i grabbed onto that line and I don't know, I, I mean, I probably listened to this a hundred times in, in the course of a couple months. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. Here I am facing the very real possibility of my son dying and us burying him. And that was really helpful. Fresh courage take. And then it says this. This is incredibly helpful too. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. How easy for frail humans like us to blame or to cast doubt upon the Lord because of what we're feeling or experiencing now. So even this reminder, judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace, was very helpful to me. In his next uh, verse says this, his purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. So God Moves in a Mysterious Way by William Cowper uh, has been very helpful to me. I want to give you just a, a list of a few because I don't know uh, it's possible that some of you listening to this are really in the midst of the, th- the throes of affliction, and you're thinking, gosh, I just want to go on iTunes and find a couple songs uh, that might minister to my heart. I've also found the hymn, uh, Take My Life and Let It Be, which is a consecration hymn, helpful, uh, In Christ Alone. Uh, here are a couple more modern songs I found helpful, uh, Blessed Be Your Name, And Lord, I Need You, Uh, another hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, and two more I'll round out the list, and there's obviously many, many more, but Thy Will Be Done is another hymn, and You Get the Glory. Okay, so we've talked about pouring out your heart using Scripture to help you pray. We've talked about pouring out your heart, praising Him when it's hard. We've talked about pouring out your heart using hymns and music. And fourthly, pouring out your heart to others. Uh, You're going to need a trusted, compassionate friend or group of friends and family who will love you, who will be there for you in the midst of your hardship, who uh, will be patient with you, will seek to serve and help you. And you may find that in your spouse. You may also maybe perhaps find it in a counselor. Um... But a, a, a safe person or place where you can pour out your heart. Someone who, I used compassionate to describe the, the type of person you'd want to find. But also, and this would go along with being compassionate, I do think, someone who's a good listener. Uh, because they're going to need to to listen and not interject constantly. Uh, my wife found, actually, that writing caring bridge posts or digital updates were really therapeutic for her and where she could kind of just 
say what was happening, how she was feeling, talk about how she was trusting God as another way to pour out her heart to others. And honestly, probably, well, not probably, the best way to get yourself connected to others to whom you can pour out your heart is going to be by putting yourself in church. And so if you have never actually been to a church before, I would recommend looking up a good Bible-believing church. If you look at their beliefs or their statement of faith, find one that talks about the Bible being without error or inerrant. Uh, Usually if you can find a church that says they believe that, they're going to do very well with everything else. And so it's within God's people that you're going to find God's Spirit has changed and moved people to be like himself and who are compassionate and caring. And if you are a part of a church, it can be very tempting, honestly, in the midst of hardship to say, you know what, I don't know if I want to go on Sunday morning. I'm tired. The weight of everything just feels like so much. People don't know what to say to me. Or perhaps, you know, some people, in not knowing what to do, they avoid you or maybe even say something a little bit foolish. Um, And those things do happen. And we might have all of these feelings, but I would encourage you, don't let them keep you from putting yourself in church. You're in your time, perhaps, of greatest need. And God promises to meet us corporately when we preach his word and when we sing and worship him. And what you need more than anything is the power and the presence of God in this time. And so put yourself in church. So here we're at uh, the four things we covered. Pour out your heart using scripture to pray. Pour out your heart praising him when it's hard. Pour out your heart using hymns and music. Pour out your heart to others, especially by putting yourself in church. And then fifth, point yourself to Jesus specifically. I already mentioned this in part, but I want you to think about this. Jesus doesn't get any less amazing. His glory doesn't diminish because you and I have hard things happening. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's worthy of worth being awed over and worshipped. And so when I say point yourself to him, take the time to look with intentness and to reflect and to think about, like, what, what has he done in, in my life? But even more than what he's done in your life, look in the scriptures and what they tell us about who he is, his greatness. Go read of his great miracles. Go read and, and let it soak in his compassion. For example, in, in the story about Lazarus dying and the sympathy he had for those who were weeping, he wept with them. Go and read about his triumph over sin and death. Go read about his resurrection. You're about to to send someone off in death. How great to be reminded that in Christ we have triumph over death. Point yourself to Jesus when you are struggling with maybe perhaps some sin that has come to the surface or that is is harder for you to resist while you're under the, the stress and strain and grief. Think about Hebrews 12, 3, where it says, Consider him who endured such 
or endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So here's Jesus. He endured a lot. And your situation might not be exactly the same in that, you know, you're, you're enduring hardship via death and health complications. So it's not maybe sinners being hostile, but consider him who has endured so that you do not grow weary or faint-hearted. I would say this. When I say point yourself to Jesus, I would exhort and encourage you with all my being to prioritize time with God like you never have before. I'll say it again. Prioritize time with God like you never have before. The last thing you need is to be farther from the one who comforts, sustains, strengthens, and awes you, and fills you, and helps you. So prioritize time with him like never before. And take, take Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 as an encouragement as, and an exhortation, where it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So pour out your heart using scripture to help you pray. Pour out your heart praising him when it's hard. Pour out your heart using hymns and music. Pour out your heart to others, especially by putting yourself in church. Fifth, pointing yourself to Jesus. And lastly, identify some specific prayer requests for the troubles that are coming. And many of these will be, when I say specific, they might be specific for you. There are certain struggles that you'll have in this time that might not be identical to other people. So thinking through like, what what do I need to pray about? And ask others to pray about for me that I would walk well down this path and down this journey. I think a Maybe one that is common would be to recognize, Lord, I need to ask you to help sustain my faith, that I wouldn't flounder in this. Uh, Another, let me just read a a list of a few to kind of get your your mind thinking, but to say, Lord, teach me about who you are in this trial, that I might know you better, that through this, I know you better, and 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 I walk with you. Another one. Lord, keep my foot from slipping. Don't let me fall into sin. Don't let me fall away from you in the midst of this. Whatever that sin or that falling away might look like, help me. Say, perhaps strengthen me, Lord, that I might be able to strengthen others. Give me what I need for this journey and help me to glorify you through this. Uh, Help me to embrace a dependent weakness that I'm going to have. You're, you're, you're probably going to be, a, or feel at least, pretty low and weak in the midst of a, a trial like someone passing away and asking the Lord to help you embrace the reality that from that place, it can actually be beneficial in helping you depend on God and move in that direction. So those are a few specific 
prayer requests, but I would encourage you to perhaps even just get a, a notebook or pull out your phone and the notes app on your phone and start to make a list of what what do I need prayer for to help me walk well? And believing that God is a God who hears and listens and answers prayer and wants to do more than we can even ask or imagine, uh, think and dream big on this and ask him for much, ask him for more than perhaps you're initially inclined to do. Let me give you another just note in thinking about all of this is that you're going to need, and this might sound obvious, but you're going to need to grieve. In other words, stuffing it is, is ultimately not going to help. And that might require that you find places where you can grieve. Honestly, for me, getting outside by myself, and I, you know, I'm an outdoorsman, so I like to hunt and fish and camp, but getting outside by myself and giving myself that kind of space, that helps me to really process and kind of deal with what is going on inside of me. And I've learned that at one point, you know, a number of years ago, actually in the first year of Beckett's life, I got tired of being, you know, grieving and being sad. And so I just kind of started to stuff it. And after a while, I felt like I was going to explode and that I needed to like get away and spend some time and really think about and grieve. So places and spaces to grieve, finding people who will be compassionate and understanding and can enter in and grieve alongside you. And thinking about, you know, perhaps ways that help you grieve. That might be having a journal and writing. It might be driving around in the car, listening to music by yourself. I think there are a number of ways that that we can learn or understand who we are and what helps us to to get it out. So let me, yeah, let me just recap what we have said one last time. Uh, but preparing a heart for death involves, number one, pouring out your heart using scripture to help you pray. Number two, pouring out your heart, praising him when it's hard. Three, pouring out your heart by using hymns and music. Four, pouring out your heart to others, especially by putting yourself in church. Five, pointing yourself to Jesus. And six, identifying specific prayer requests for the troubles that are coming. So I really want to thank you again for listening to this episode of the Bluestem Project. It's been a pleasure to have you. And again, I want to remind you that the Bluestem Project exists to equip and encourage you in the suffering, hardships, and trials of life that come with health issues and disability. We do this by helping root you in Christ and by giving you the tools you need to be ready for life's greatest obstacles. It would be an honor to take this journey with you. Please do hit the subscribe button and tell a friend or family member experiencing health issues and medical disability about the Bluestem Project.